Hello, welcome to Off Curve. I am Wicked Good, and I am talking to you about Hearthstone on my drive home from work. It is Wednesday, June 6th, 2018. Uh, about a week into the season. Um, ladder's not been treating me super well uh, the last couple days. I, I think that, and, and I, I'm not super surprised. I, I think that I'm starting to get used to the rhythm of this new ladder system that we've really, I mean, it feels like forever. We've really only had it for like three months when you think about it. And I am realizing that I'm just getting my head beaten in like the first week, mainly because I'm playing against in general, much better players than I used to be like the first week of the month. Like I can't guarantee that I'm going to get myself, you know, climbing up out of like 16 to 10 in, in the first couple days, like it, it's a lot of just kind of messing around. And, and part of it is also my inability to stick with the deck. Uh, I I've been trying out a bunch of weird things. I've been messing around with this big druid that Viper Viper played. Um, he posted a link to it on Twitter and I was messing around with that. I have a couple of decks that I've kind of been being a little bit more, you know, prudent with and, and saving them for casual, but I just pulled a Tess Greymane right after they announced the changes to her. When I'm, I, I was actually going to go into a whole thing about that, and I, I just decided now that they said that they're reviewing and I'm just not even going there. Like, um, it's, we don't need to, we don't need to talk about that. Basically, it, we'll, we'll hear more about that in the next couple of days, and we don't need to discuss it any more than just let's not, you know, pick up our torches and pitchforks for every little thing. But in any event, um, so I, I, there was a tempo, a tempo rogue that, um, John Bray posted, uh, that looked interesting. I was trying something with like a Zetalot, um, lady in white deck that is, that Ridiculous Hat played on his, um, in his UHL match last night. And, uh, I would not recommend it. <laughs> I, I kind of felt bad that I almost tagged Hat's match because it took him three wins to get there. And, and I've been finding similar things myself lately that that deck is just kind of not great. And I probably whiffed on Lady in White, but you know, it's early, whatever. Uh, you can't win them all. But so I've been finally, um, like the last, day or so. So I, I casted a bunch on, on Friday. I casted the, uh, coin concede listener league, uh, semifinals and finals. Mid game was, uh, kind enough to invite me on to cast that. And I had a lot of fun. I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. Um, and that was, that was a lot of fun to do. And that involved a token druid mirror followed by another match that I casted for UHL, uh, last night that also had token druid. And I realized that I, uh, if I'm going to be casting this thing, I kind of need to learn it. Uh, so I crafted two Whispering Woods, which is what I was missing for the deck, and I started playing it. I've been having decent success with it. I'm going to try out, um, there's a list that, um, that occasional UHL caster and friend of, um, you know, friend of the podcast community in general, uh, Saucy Mailman, posted the other day, um, that I'll link to that I think I want to switch to because... I like the look of his list a little bit better. Uh, he takes the standard list and cuts one 
Arcane Tyrant for a Wrath, which I, I like a lot because I feel like you need a little bit more draw and a little bit more removal early against some of these decks. So uh, I'm going to be messing around with that, but I've been having pretty good success with it early. Uh, we'll see how if that if that sticks or not, and the meta may adjust to just counter it uh, a lot more Warlock and a lot more uh, Quest Warrior. Excuse me, Quest Warrior. Um, but I've, I've been, I've been enjoying that, but I've, I've been playing, so that's what I've been playing with the last, like, day or so, and I've been climbing with it. Um, got myself out of rank five, finally, with that list, so I think that's a good choice if you can grok it. Um, it, token mirror, token druid can be very difficult, and it, be, it can be kind of frustrating when it, um, hi train, uh, I still haven't gotten away from the train station, as you can hear, um, you know, Token Druid is a difficult deck, and you really do have to think through, like, your entire game plan, and, and, you know, when it works, like, this is the thing with combo decks, right, is that when they work, it looks like it's really easy, and, like, you just, you know, you ramp, and you draw, and then you get a Whispering Woods, and you get a Soul of the Forest behind it, and then you play all of the, you know, the buff cards, and you win, right, and when, the deck draws the way that it's supposed to, that is pretty straightforward. When it's not straightforward is when you have, when you play one of those boards, your opponent has a perfect counter for it, and then you don't have anything else, and what do you do for the next three turns? Or you don't draw any ramp, and you're just drawing combo piece after combo piece you can't use. Or uh, you need to get rid of stuff in your hands, so you can play Ultimate Infestation, but everything that you have in your hands is a combo piece you don't want to use yet. What do you, what can you afford to burn? What can you not afford to burn? Um, can you afford to play UI and burn and burn cards if you have all that stuff in your hand? Like, those kinds of decisions are what make those kinds of combo decks really difficult. I feel like I'm picking it up somewhat because of all, like, the, the Aviana Kun Druid that I've been playing in Wild. Like, it, it's not exactly the same deck. I mean, it's not the same deck at all, uh, you know, to be perfectly fair. But it's a lot of the the general early game and a lot of the decision making kind of transfers because especially the Maligos Druid um, before, you know, Togwaggle was a thing. Like, there would be a lot of cases where, like, like the idea of, if you haven't seen the, the Maligos Druid in Wild, generally you play Aviana Kuhn. Aviana makes all your minions one. Kuhn refreshes your mana crystals. You have ten mana. You play some combination of Maligos and Faceless Manipulators. Uh, sometimes you run Ixlid. Uh, to make more Mali, Mali Geese, whatever, and you use the rest of your burn spells to, uh, you know, burn them down from whatever life total they're at. So what happens a lot of the time is that you'll need to get cards out of your hand so you can UI. Because um, they're, you know, the four the four minions there are critical. Like, you can't really use Aviana Kuhn, um, you know, Maligos or, or, or Maligos, I guess, um, out of order. But... Like, sometimes you have more burn than you need early, and you can use that burn on minions, and the question of, like, how much burn is too much, how much do I need to remove and use my combo pieces to stay alive versus how much do I need to actually end the game, or, like, can I use a Faceless Manipulator now for value, kind of transfers, because, like, branching paths is part of your combo, but you don't need, you don't need branching paths and Savage Roar and Power of the Wild in order to close out the game all the time. Like, against some decks you do, but a lot of the time you don't need all of those, and sometimes it's like, well, can I afford to use this branching pass for draw? Can I afford to use this branching pass just to armor up? Do I need to use this branching pass just to armor up? Holy cow, there is somebody taking away 
like an old Virtua Fighter 2 arcade machine on a flatbed truck. That is awesome. Sorry. That's that's not something that I see on my commute home every day. Like just a random like Virtua Fighter 2 cabinet like on the back of a truck. Wow. Okay. Anyway, sorry. Uh, <laughs> um so you know, those kinds of things are, are what make the, def, the deck difficult and being able to make those decisions and, you know, know when the right time is to go in. Have they used up enough uh, removal? Do you need to bait out removal before you go in with a full board? Can you do like a half move? Those types of things are really difficult. I'm, I'm liking the deck, though. I feel like I'm picking it up. I feel like it's a good challenge. Um, you know, it may be a little bit difficult to pick up at first if you're not used to playing that kind of deck, but I think it may be one of the best decks in the format right now. I mean, DreamHack clearly play, clearly proved that out to some extent, um, based on the number of token druid mirrors that there were, but I think even for us mere mortals, it's probably worth at least understanding so you can know how to play against it, even if it's not a deck that you enjoy laddering with. Um, so that's kind of my, my pick of the week right now. I'm going to try to stick with that and see how I can do with it. Um, but, you know, so far I've been relatively optimistic, though I could get home and have a, you know, an 0-5 session and uh, burn the deck to the ground, who knows. But, you know, that's just how things go sometimes. Okay, and, and one more thing before I get into today's topic, which is really, and, and honestly, this is just, I didn't really have a set topic this week, and I opened up uh, to questions on Twitter, and you all came through with me, so we're going to do that this week, just because I wasn't, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to talk about, and this week has been kind of busy with casting, and um, a lot of family stuff and stuff like that. So I didn't have really a great time to repair, but you guys came through. So, um, thank you for that. So I'm going to address all of the questions that I got today, um, on Twitter. I just want to make a quick note. Like if you're looking at your podcast client of choice and you're noticing the number on today's episode, yes, this is 50. No, I'm not doing anything special right now. Um, yes, I will. There is something planned for the next couple of weeks. Uh, it just wasn't lining up this week. Um, but rest assured there is something coming and you will, you will very much enjoy it. Uh, I am very excited about it, but it is not going to be this week. It will probably be close to, uh, more of a year. Like, you know, I did a couple of emergency episodes, so it's generally like 50 episodes is like around a year of doing a show, except that this isn't cause it's still like, you know, a month ahead of time. So, um, it'll be a little bit closer to the year anniversary of the show. And uh, I am pretty excited about it, and I think you will be too when you hear it. So anyway, that that all said, um, so I did put that call out on Twitter for questions. I had a few people write in either through DM or or just you know mentioning at off curve. And uh, by the way, you can do that whenever. Like it, you don't have to wait for me to ask for questions. Um, I will answer questions any given week. But um, this week, I just wanted to dedicate to like a mailbag type episode because I haven't done that in a while. And, uh, you know, I figured that since the meta is slowing down, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to try to cover what you all wanted to hear about. So, uh, Grilled Eggs asks, do you have a recommendation for a control deck to learn for people who have mostly played aggro? So, and this is, I don't know if I'm actually the right person to ask given that I, you know, went the other way. Like I'm a control player. I had to learn aggro. Um, I think what I would say is that right now, I think Quest Warrior is probably the best one for that. Either Quest Warrior or Mind Blast Priest, but I feel like Mind Blast Priest is as much as, it's more of a combo deck than a control deck, really. And it's not, <clears throat> excuse me, it's, it's, it's definitely a more difficult deck to pick up. 
Um, especially because the, the early turns are, are kind of weird. Um, Quest Warrior is a f- about as straightforward of a control deck as you can get. Because you're, you have a very, very clear game plan. And that game plan is you play big butts on curve as much as possible. And you just try to get as many of them down as quickly as you can. And then once you flip the switch and put the, put the weapon down, then you flip into full-on aggro mode where you're clearing and uh, trying to just do as much face damage as you can. And, and that's actually kind of abnormal for a, for a control deck, to be honest. Like, there are a lot of control decks, and, you you know, like, the control priest that I was playing at the end of the Cobalt meta is more like this, where you can bring your opponent to zero, but you don't actually have to, and you're just kind of trying to remove all of your opponent's ways to win. Taunt Warrior is not that. Taunt Warrior is going to, you know, stall, 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 and then just start punching you in the face as quickly as possible. So I think from a... From that perspective, if you're an aggro player, you're used to wanting to win the game um, as opposed to just, you know, draw the game out forever and and exhaust your opponent's resources, which would be something more like a quest priest. That would be more of a Shutterwalk Shaman. It kind of feels that way a lot of the time. Like it's it's just kind of living long enough to be able to get its combo off and then be done. Quest Warrior really is more of a proactive deck at, at the end of the day. Um, so that's something that I would, I would look at. Big Spell Mage is another one that, that's kind of more of like a classic control deck where you're just kind of removing, 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 and, and eventually just kind of grinding your opponent out. The, uh, you know, Quest Warrior just wants to end the game. It still wants to do, uh, to take your, your life total down to zero. It's just going to take a little bit longer getting there. Um, so I would start there with Quest Warrior. Um, once you've gotten Quest Warrior down, I, I do think Mind Blast Priest is probably another, um, you know, another another deck that you could look at. That's going to be, again, it, it wants to end the game, but it's a little bit more complex of how it gets there because you're trying to assemble all this damage while not dying. Um, those those are two decks that I would I would definitely look at. Like like Quest Warrior is really kind of like uh, Raza Priest was, where it was basically just stalling until it could get its win condition taken care of, and then it would just focus on punching you in the face. So I think that's a pretty good transition uh, for someone who's more more an aggro player, more like, I, I don't want to say those decks are simpler, and, and I don't want to say that Quest Warrior is necessarily an easy deck to play. It's not always. Um, but the decisions are more laid out for you, for the most part, and you're you know, you always have something to do. Like, there's not a lot of hero power pass in Quest Warrior. Whereas, like, the Control Warrior, the Recruit Warrior, there is. Um, like, Odd Control Warrior or Recruit Warrior, there's a lot of, like, hero power pass. And that's when you're happy. Like, so, um, yeah, I, I mean, I've probably beaten the point to death, but I would say that Quest Warrior, if you want a first control deck, that's pretty good for, um, for you to start with. And then you can graduate from there. Alright, so, um, next question is that Caleb asks, um, I care a lot between, about consistency in language and behavior because it can become an exit point if the cards don't behave the way the players think. Now that this, if this card leaves the field and effect seems official with, y- with the Yogg and Test changes, 
Has anyone tested Shutterwalk? Can we check with Ren Blackhand? So I said I wasn't going to talk about the test thing, but I guess I guess I am. Um, so the test change was that if she is silences herself or dies in the course of playing her battle cry, then she will stop um, playing cards. So test test Greymane um, will play every card that your opponent uh, from your from not from your class um, that you've played this game. Uh, including minions and uh, spells are targeted randomly. So, and and I think academically I agree with you. I think that Shutterwalk probably should behave that way. Practically, I don't think it's going to be as much of an issue and I, I don't really think it's really going to come into play. I think they probably should change it to behave that way. But realistically, it's almost never going to happen unless somebody misplays. Because... The way that battle cries work, as opposed to spells, is that um, battle cries cannot target the uh, the minion that is playing them. And even like when they don't, when they're not coded that way explicitly, they often say things like "your other minions" or "another minion" or "a friendly minion." Like, there's not a way for a battle cry, I believe, to silence the original Shutterwalk or remove it from play. Like, when you grumble your hand and you get a whole bunch of Shutterwalks back, the original one that you played from hand is still there. It's the ones that are getting bounced back are all the copies that came off of Saturday Chain Gangs. So that's, that's kind of an important distinction. So the only way that I can think of that you would actually kill your Shutterwalk in the course of the battle cry going off is if you played so many AoE effects. And even then, I'm not sure if the AoE effects hurt the original Shutterwalk or not. Um, like Hagatha, for example, I think does three damage to the board. But even then, like um, things like Primordial Drake, I believe say all your all other minions... So I don't know that there's actually a way to do six damage to a Shutterwalk, the original Shutterwalk, in the course of the battle cry. They could add something. I mean, that's a possibility. But I don't think that the way that the card pool is right now, and I wouldn't, wouldn't imagine that they would build something like that. I don't think there's actually a way for you to remove your Shutterwalk in the middle of casting. You certainly can't silence it. So while, yes, it should behave that way, I think in practice, I don't think it would ever happen. Um, it would take, like a murmuring elemental on a Hagatha maybe to do it. And if you're doing that, then you're, you know, it is what it is, right? So I agree with you. It's inconsistent. It probably should be changed that way to behave that way just in case it ever should happen and just kind of remove that doubt. But I think practically in, in actual game terms, I don't think, you know, the, the situation of Shutterwalk actually killing or silencing itself or removing itself from play is ever going to happen in an actual Hearthstone game. It's only going to happen like in the course of this kind of theoretical discussion. All right. So our next question is from uh, Rod from tier five, which is by the way, a good podcast. And it's a lot of fun that you should be going over to listen to if you haven't already. So uh, give them a quick plug and I'll put a link to them in the show notes as well. Um, so Rod asks with a meta that's fluid as this one, do you think you should be more willing to switch decks? Not saying after one loss, but maybe after a five-game sample size. So, I struggle with this a lot, too, because 
And I think it depends on where you are. And uh, it's, that's, that's kind of a cop-out answer, but let me, try, let me try to elaborate on that a little bit. So I think it's important to understand your comfort level with a deck. I think that there's two different scenarios where you could be laddering, and I think it's important to understand which one you're in. One is you're with a deck that you know really well, right? Like, let's say I'm playing Control Priest. I know Control Priest. I know exactly what to do. I know how my deck does what it does. If I'm getting hammered with Control Priest and I can go back and look at my matchups because I've been tracking my, tracking my stats and can go see that, okay, I'm running into this matchup and that matchup and that matchup and those are really bad for me. And that seems to be... Um, you know, a, a pocket meta, then it makes sense for me to switch off that onto something else for a little bit. Now, I don't know if that's necessarily something you want to do permanently, but I think that with, you know, it's worth looking at your, your games like five in a row or so and evaluating and just kind of taking a temperature check. Like there are some times that I switch decks even, you know, they're not doing that badly, but I'm just not enjoying it, and I don't feel, like, great with it, and I'll switch decks anyway. Um, I think that if you're learning a deck, and, again, this is, this, this go, it depends on the deck, right? Because, like, if it's, like, some weirdo deck that you just saw on Twitter, like, oh, I'm gonna try this, it could be trash, and it could have just been, like, that one pro had a really good streak with it, or, you know, they're trolling, which is a thing that happens. Um... On the other hand, if it's something like, okay, well, it's Token Druid. And Token Druid is a good deck. Like, we just talked about that, right? Like, Token Druid is consensus good deck. So, if I'm losing with it, the first thing you want to do is go to your stats and then go to something like an HS Replay or or a Vicious Syndicate and see if your matchups should be favored or not. If they are, then you need to look at your play and figure out why you're not winning. Because ultimately, if you're losing what are supposed to be favored or, or even matchups a lot, you could just be getting unlucky. And, and Rod, I know if I'm talking to you, it's pop very possible. <laughs> um, but in general, like a sign that I'm losing to matchups that the data says I should be winning as an average player means that I'm doing something wrong and I need to go look at it. And sometimes that means posting a replay somewhere. Sometimes that means reviewing, uh, you know, your own replays yourself and seeing if there are some plays that you made wrong or some things that you didn't think to play around. Um, but that's, that's one thing that you should be, uh, that you should be doing. If you're, you know, playing one of those decks and you're just running into a whole bunch of bad stuff, then yeah, maybe it's time to switch. And, And generally I think that it's not necessarily a bad idea once you're, once you have a comfort level with more than one deck, um, in a meta that, that you just kind of have a couple that you switch off. Some people switch off after every loss. Like they, I've heard some, some folks when they're laddering, they'll just play a deck until they lose with it. And then they switch to their other deck and then they keep, you know, going back and forth that way. I think that I don't like that because I feel like the more games, the more reps I get in with a deck, um, like the more I know situations and, and ultimately what's going to make you successful with a deck at a high level is not having to actively think about things. So like one of the things that happens when you get a lot of games in with a deck is that you will recognize scenarios immediately. 
Like, because you've done them a hundred times before. You don't need to worry about whether you need to tap on one and two as an even warlock if you're sitting there with a mountain giant in your hand. You don't need to look at any other plays a lot of the time. It's just tap one, tap two, mountain giant three, and then I'll figure out the rest. But, so, but having all of that that you're instantly recognizing, it what it does is it opens up the rest of your turn to think about all the other things that could be happening. Like, what does my opponent have? What's that card they've been holding on the left? What should I be thinking about? Is this the best play for what they're going to play? If you don't have to think about like what your best turn is and what your opponent's, you know, what, what your likely scenario is with playing that card, that frees up a lot of your time for other things in the in the turn that can um, that can help you be successful. So I, I do like sticking with a deck even if it's not working, but generally if I lose like three in a row, it's time for a break. And then I'll start reevaluating whether the deck is, um, is something that I want to stick with or not. But it generally involves looking at my stats versus the publicly available stats and deciding if, um, if this is something that I'm just getting, I'm running into bad matchups and I need to play something else or, um, you know, I need to look at my play and see if I can improve because there's something that I'm missing. And our last question is from Beef Squash, who asks, um, does the meta change at different times of the day with any sort of a pattern? Is it softer during peak hours? Does it shift from more control in the day to more aggro in the evening? Or am I overthinking and this and should I just play whatever? My guess is this is confirmation bias, but I'm wondering if there's anything to this. Um, so there, there are definitely uh, changes in the meta by time of day. Um, typically, when you're in like peak evening hours in whatever region you're in, that's when you're going to see a lot of like meta decks because you're going to have a lot of people like me who are going to come home from work and then are going to go and grind ladder for a couple of hours and they're going to pick whatever the deck is best and you're going to be seeing the most concentration of players there. Um, You may see uh, more aggro like late at night in that region because, you know, I don't want to say they're simpler to play, but they're, you know, a, a long drawn out control deck where you have to remember all the cards that everybody's played. Sometimes, you know, when you're, when you're grinding, the people are grinding a lot of games late at night. It's not necessarily what they want to be doing with their lives. So you may start to see more aggro as the night wears on. Um, when I play early in the morning, I often see, um, you know, high ranking players from other servers who are trying to get their second legend on NA. Like I've run into, I, whenever I tend to run into like pro players, from like Asia Pack or EU, I will generally do it when I'm like, you know, playing my couple of games when I'm like brushing my teeth in the morning at like six o'clock Eastern time. Cause that's like evening time for, um, you know, for Asia Pack and it's like middle of the afternoon for EU. Um, I find that generally the meta is softest in the middle of the day. Um, like on the days when I'm home on my, like, like not working. The, the meta tends to be a lot softer because you'll have a lot fewer players and players are more, you know, the kinds of players who have a lot of time to play, so they'll play in kind of more weird decks or they may, may just be more willing to, to try stuff and um, you're generally finding a softer meta in the, in the middle of the day, not, not so much in primetime hours. Uh, primetime hours is really cutthroat because you have the people like me, again, who are like, I've only got a couple hours to play, I need to make all these, these games count, I'm not messing around, I'm playing whatever the meta deck is. Um, so there is something to it. Uh, I don't know if it's something you really want to bank on, generally. 
Um, but it is something to be aware of that sometimes those the, the meta can shift by time of day just by virtue of the, the kinds of people who are going to be playing at the time that you're playing. All right, so that's going to do it for me uh, for this week. Uh, you know, kind of a short show, but I, I think this was, uh, you know, nice nice change of pace from all of, like, the heavy meta discussions that we've been having. And uh, I may have some thoughts on Token Druid once I've gotten to play it some more. We'll see. Um, but in the meantime, you can, uh, as always, find all the links that I've talked about um, for this episode and all the episodes at offcurve.com. Um, you can also uh, follow the show's Twitter account at offcurve. Uh, if you want to submit questions, that's the place you would do it. You can also get announcements of when new episodes go live. Uh, if you want to follow me and, you know, all the random stuff that I post in addition to Hearthstone content, um, I'm at with you good on Twitter. Um, you can also catch me casting, uh, UHL. We are heading into playoff season. So it's only, the season's only going to last for another couple weeks, but you can catch me there. Um, typically, uh, twitch.tv slash United Hearthstone League is the place, is the best place to go. Um, I would also really recommend you check out the UHL Rundown podcast. Redwaller and Navalis are doing a really incredible job with that show, uh, making it sound really professional and really like a like a sports program. Uh, cutting in uh, some of the the casting from folks like me, and uh, I'll tell you, it sounds really cool. You know, hear my voice cut into a show like that. So I can't recommend it enough. I think they're doing a great job, and you should definitely make sure to to, um, check it out. And, um, you can also find me on my Twitch, which is twitch.tv slash wickedgoodfm. Um, you know, mostly Sunday nights, not this past week, but hopefully I will be able to do that. Um, this weekend I've been trying to mix in another night a week. It's been a little bit tough. Maybe when school is out, I'll be able to do that a little bit more consistently. Um, and, uh, do, you know, do leave a review on iTunes. Uh, it does help the podcast get some visibility. Um, you know, if you're, especially with Apple refreshing the podcast apps and whatever, and like iOS 12, it's, um, it's important to, to be visible there. And I want to get up a little bit higher in the Hearthstone ranking. So if you can take a moment and, and leave a review, it, it helps a lot. I did get one review on this past week from, uh, Oily Peruvian, uh, who says, if you play Hearthstone at higher ranks, he gives you a good first person account of what decks he's having success with and why he also gives you a good idea of what decks are working and how they might match up against others. So Thanks. I, I appreciate that. I mean, I, I do a lot other than that too, but I do, I, that's one of the things that I, I do like to do. I feel like I do a decent job kind of explaining at least in short form, like what, what a deck is and what you're trying to do with it. So, um, you know, and, and getting those reviews really does, you know, just put fuel in any podcaster's fire, not just me. Um, you know, and, and helps keep going. Cause again, the, the ways you can support me really, if you want to do it are to do that or, uh, tell a friend about the show because that is another way to grow the audience and, and reach out to more people and help more people. So anyway, that is uh, all I have for you uh, this week. Um, you know, have, good luck to you in the ladder and, you know, whatever else. We actually will probably talk about arena next week um, because the new arena event is coming. So I may try to do a couple of arena runs, maybe do another refresher on the, uh, you know, how to arena like I did the last time that we had that Halloween event. So maybe we'll go back and talk about some Maria stuff some more. If that's something you want, let me know. Um, but until then, you know, thanks for taking the time with me. I know you have a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of podcasts competing for your listening time and I appreciate you, uh, spending this half hour with me as I'm driving home from work. So, uh, you know, good luck to you on the ladder and good luck to you in arena if you're playing that and, uh, you know, be good to each other. Have a great one. Talk to you soon.